0: Most of us are chronically sleep-deprived, and we don't treat sleep like the ally and the friend that it was always meant to be. Hi, hope you're well. This is PD at the Art of Self-Development. This episode is for everyone interested in ideas and practical tools to develop the most useful skills for yourself and for the people you care about. Sleep and sleep deprivation are one of the biggest issues that we are facing these days as a society, as a civilization. Because the way we sleep, how much, at what time, and how well we do, it really has little to do with how we evolved, how our natural sleep cycle evolved. Because it used to be that in the times past, and particularly before the Industrial Revolution, And before the invention of electricity, we would pretty much go to sleep after dark, when the sun went down, because there was little else to do. And then again, you would wake up at or after dawn, when the sun is up and you can do stuff again. While with the invention of electricity, we kind of took light into our hands, so that we have light any time of day or night. And we have much more light and we have light longer than we did before, which is why so many of us are chronically deprived. And the interesting thing is, many of us walk around not knowing that we sleep much less than we should. And the light is part of the reason, because light influences the production of hormones, such as melatonin, that'll tell our bodies that we need to sleep. And if we use a lot of light day and night, and we use all our devices and our screens, we're fooling our brains and our bodies into thinking that we're in broad daylight when we're not. It's kind of like being jet-lagged most of the time. So if you're anything like me and like most people today, you don't want to turn in anytime soon after work. You'll go out, you'll meet people, go for dinner, perhaps. Or in my case, you might go to a salsa party, which are notoriously late. And that just sets off a chain reaction of not sleeping enough and then trying to recover or to get some of that sleep back. And the thing is, based on what researchers say, you can't quite make up for the time that you did not sleep. So that if you do that trick when you sleep for 5 hours a day during the work week and you can kind of function and then you sleep for 8 or 10 hours at the weekend it doesn't mean that you've made up for what you didn't sleep during the week because the sleep needs to be good every day pretty much and if you sleep 3 or 4 hours longer at the weekend it really tells you what your sleep status is And there's been a lot of research as well into sleep and how it relates to things like cognitive impairments, things like dementia or Alzheimer's later in life. Because every night we go to sleep, there are cleansing processes that take place that will rid our brains of toxins that otherwise would add up and would cause problems in later decades in life oftentimes for no other apparent reason. So making sure we get a good night's sleep, most of the nights at least, is a really good investment. Not just in the next day and the next, but also in the years and decades ahead. As things add up. And sleep researchers often say that, while there are individual differences in how much we need to sleep, the general range is between seven and nine hours, and that if you sleep less than seven hours a day, generally speaking, there is a price for that. A price to be paid later. If it's four to six hours a day, you may end up paying that price every day. Another thing is, even if we sleep much less than we should, oftentimes we believe, or the way we see it, We can still do our jobs and we don't feel like we are less efficient. And there are cognitive biases that prevent us from seeing just how slowed down and how impaired we might be, that other people might see better than we do. So even in the short term, that difference is big. Also, we know now that sleep is really important for learning, that during the sleep, after we learn. And based on how good that sleep is, that's when consolidation of information takes place. That's how we solidify what we have learned that day and sort of move it from short-term to long-term memory, where it gets compared and contrasted and connected to all the old learning that we have. This is where a lot of learning takes place. It's why we say, when there's a problem that we don't seem to be able to solve now, why we give the advice of sleep on it. We kind of know that it works. And oftentimes we wake up after we've been tackling a problem without a resolution. We wake up after a dreamful sleep, knowing the solution for the first time. And sleep offers a different state of mind that... Can help us be more creative, that'll give us ideas. It's when we are closer to the dream state of the theta and delta waves in our brain, where we're more open to suggestions, to thinking outside of the box. It's when we're better able to visualize and imagine things and then put them on paper, if we are writers, for example. In fact, there was a writer, I forgot his name, who particularly used this method in that he would fall asleep in his chair and he would be holding something so that when he, after a while he would doze off, that thing he would clutch would fall and wake him up. Because when he woke up, sort of half asleep, half dreaming, that was exactly the state In which his imagination would work the best. So that it's easy to start writing. And be creative. Because sleep unlocks our creative genius. And we are better off creating something when we are not quite out of it. When we are not quite, quite alert. There are many health benefits as well. We know that... Sleeping enough prevents a lot of diseases, particularly cardiovascular diseases and, of course, neurological ones. It slows down aging. And it's interesting that all animals, they do sleep. Even though sleeping can seem like a weird thing to do, almost like something we shouldn't need. When we are asleep, we are more vulnerable to predators. And we seem literally to be wasting a third of our lifetime. But of course, that is not what happens. We can't survive for more than a few days without sleep. If you've been without sleep for a few days, you know what I'm talking about. You'll get super tired and exhausted first, irritable, inefficient. And if you continue down that road, worse things will happen. You'll start to hallucinate. You'll see things that are not there. You'll become paranoid. And if you do it long enough, you will die. Because sleep has been with us for the whole time we have been around. For good reasons. We need it. It makes us healthy. It strengthens our immune system. We need the deeper layers of sleep both REM and non-REM sleep, when we dream and when we don't. Especially during REM sleep, it's interesting that on MRI machines, our brains, or at least parts of our brains, will show us more active than when we are awake. That's how active the process of consolidation information is and of learning new things and of revisiting our experiences during the day and giving sort of a, an emotional cushion over the two strong emotions, so that when we wake up the next day and the next, those emotionally stirring experiences will feel a little bit more detached from them. They won't be as strong or as painful. That too is a function of sleep. So check with yourself, how many hours on average do you sleep? Is it at least 7 hours? No matter how much you think you need to sleep. Do you go to sleep and wake up or get up at similar time? Because that too is important. In some ways more important than trying to make up for lost sleep. We sleep much better and the quality of sleep is much better if we go to sleep and get up at the same time, every day, or at least close to it. Are you a lark or an owl? Are you a morning person or an evening person? Probably most people would count or rate themselves as owls rather than larks. And I think part of the reason is precisely because we use artificial lights and our tablets and phones and computers so much that we go past the time when our bodies should produce melatonin. And then we feel almost invigorated because we pushed through that time period when we should get tired and ready to fall asleep. We kind of power through that. And then we don't feel sleepy anymore because we fooled our bodies into thinking it's not night yet. But of course there is a price to be paid the next day. What about the influence of coffee and alcohol? Because these can be tricky too, especially with alcohol, I would think. oftentimes we, we like to have a shot of something or a beer before going to sleep because it makes us feel tired, it makes us feel sleepy. But it doesn't mean it'll improve the quality of our sleep. Because alcohol doesn't really put you to sleep, generally speaking, it's a sedative, it sedates you, that's not the same as sleeping. And also, what happens with alcohol and with coffee is they tend to make our sleep more fragmented, so that we tend to wake up in the middle of the night more often than we otherwise would. And typically, we wouldn't be aware of that. We won't know that we've woken up a bunch of times. But what will happen is we will have less of that deep, REM and non-REM sleep because we won't be asleep long enough at a time to really go through the sleep cycle. And then we wake up knowing that we kind of slept a lot and still not feeling refreshed. Alcohol does that. Coffee, anytime after 3 or 4 o'clock does that too. You can test that out for yourself. And if you think four is okay, then it probably should be three. So the biggest danger in being sleep-deprived for a long time is that we are not aware of it for the most part. In fact, a lot of us have gotten quite used to it. So that that is the norm. And you can test that easily. If you sleep less than seven hours a night, as an experiment... You can try to adjust what you do during the day so that you get those seven hours and you go to sleep before 11pm. Do that for a week, see what happens. If you like the result, make sure you replicate it in the days and weeks and years. Because that has a big effect on how productive we are. It affects our mood and our emotions that affects our relationships. It can make it easier to achieve those things, those goals that we want to achieve. It'll help us learn a lot better. And sleeping, by the way, it's not just the night after we learn, it's also the night before. And that has to do with those cleaning processes and mechanisms that clean your brain of toxins so that your mind is ready to accept new information, like a sponge. And then after you learn, you consolidate that information and connect it to what you already know, in those deeper layers of sleep. So these are just some of the ideas, some of the most important ideas about why sleep is so important, based on the research that is available these days, and also what experience can tell you. So see if you can make any adjustments, depending on where you're at right now and what you can improve. Because it's easy to get into this trap of thinking that, well, 24 hours is not enough for me, so I'll cut down on sleep. And that'll work. Yes, it can work for a while. But after a while, it's a losing game. Sleep is one of your best friends. If you treat it nicely. And the rewards for understanding sleep better and using it to your advantage are great. And how you use your sleep will influence you in the days and months and years and decades ahead. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Art of Self-Development. Remember that learning is a change of behavior. Any positive change you make and keep has a cumulative effect that'll make your life even better. If you found anything useful or interesting in this episode, please share it with your friends. You can reach me at pdartofsd at gmail.com. Talk to you again soon. In the meantime, leave the world a little better than you found it.